right, everybody, welcome to Season 3, Episode 18 of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Billy Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making me part of your day, presented by Anchor Podcasts. A quick reminder where you can find me on social media. On Twitter, search for at Tap Outs and TDs. On Facebook, just search for at Tap Outs and Touchdowns. And the email to the show, touchdowns at gmail.com. A special episode today. Uh, before we get into it, this show was requested by uh, listener Nick Opaluski or Op- Opaluski. Uh, forgive me for butchering your name, uh, but he wanted to do a, a live watch along to a classic WWE show. Uh, disclaimer, we're not going to do a, wa- a watch along for the entire uh, show, but we are going to do a watch along for the main event. So without further ado, please, uh, everybody join me in welcoming back Tap Outs and Touchdowns wrestling correspondent, PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing tonight, bud? I am fantastic. Um, I'm lo- <laughs> I love the idea of us getting a request. That is so fun to me. Uh, I love getting requests like this. Uh, this is going to be really, really fun to go over. A lot of big names on this show. Um, and a very interesting event. I'm looking forward to uh, finding out, you know, why he chose this one. But everyone has their little niches of their favorite pay-per-views and things like that. Like mine being Slamboree, um, uh, Slamboree 93. It's like, I get it. You know, I understand. Or Slamboree Absol- 94, actually. So, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, you know, it's something that I've, I've been reaching out, you know, since the inception of this podcast. If there's something you want me to review or something you want me to talk about, reach out. And Nick uh, reached out to me on my Facebook page. And it has been a while since he requested it, but better late than never is what I like to say. Uh, So without further ado, the pay-per-view that he requested us review is WWE Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall uh, from 1991. PJ, what do you have to tell us about this show before we get into it? So uh, everyone knows that uh, Royal Albert Hall is an extremely – um, famous arena in right in London, England. Uh, it's actually like uh, the northern edge of like South Kensington, London, uh, and it's one of the most treasured, distinctive buildings held in the world. Uh, it seats a little over 5,000. Uh, but it's it first opened like in the 18, 1871, 1872, I think. Uh, it's had festivals, it's had concerts, it's had wrestling events, obviously. Uh, Royal Albert Hall has also been where NXT UK has been before. Um, an extremely uh, you know, gratifying um, building and historic uh, building here. I mean, just, just out of this world. So getting a pay-per-view like this on there is, um, is pretty sweet. Uh, So your attendance was about 5,000. It it, it pretty much sold out the place. It took place October 3rd, uh, 1991. So in a couple of weeks, it would be the, uh, the anniversary. I'm not doing the math to give you the years, Uh, but (laughs) but the, the the name of this event is battle Royale at the Albert hall. I'm pretty sure like somebody, somebody thought that that rhymed. They probably at the Albert how? At the Royale, Albert. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, some, it's, yeah. They they if, tried If I would have known any better, fucking Mister Duke, Duke, Duke was back there. Like, boss, I got an idea. We do that. Right, about a Royale. 
at the Albert Howe. And it's like, that's not how. So uh, great names on this pay-per-view. We'll get to them later. But again, Battle Royale, the main event of this is a big Battle Royale, 20-man over-the-top rope Battle Royale. Really, really cool, but you get a lot of really great names on this pay per view. We're gonna hear here, we're gonna hear guys like an early Shawn Michaels, we're gonna hear Ric Flair, The Undertaker, LOD, British Bulldog. Great names on this pay per view, and I'm ready to really sink our teeth in. Uh, but yeah, I love the history of the uh, of Royal Albert Hall, me being a musician, I love hearing. Uh, about this building and you know educating people about this building about you know musicians that have played there and things like that but love love i love the building too right when the event opens up you can just see how gorgeous of a building it is uh, i do love that that was that's a highlight for me watching this event they did mention during on commentary that this this is this venue had been open for over a hundred years yep. at this point in 1991 so pretty historic venue to ha- hold a at the time WWF event and uh, nothing better than opening up the Peacock app, turning this pay-per-view on and getting a disclaimer that the original recording had some tech technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> not a really a good way to start off the show. But again, we haven't reached the uh, we, we both waited to watch the, the Battle Royal live uh, to do the watch along. So I haven't seen many, if any, uh, issues watching the show uh but having said that let's get right into it the opening match on the show features some classic tag teams as the nasty boys jerry sags and brian knobs take on marty Janetti, and like you mentioned a second ago a young Shawn michaels the rockers uh pj why don't you start us off here what do you feel about this nasty boys versus the rockers match to start off this show it was awkward very awkward of a match. They went 16 minutes and 21 seconds. It way too long for this. Uh, Rockers got some shine there, which was nice. But, uh, you know, both teams stalled for what felt like forever. And they were just taking turns to play with that London audience and, you know, try to get them hyped. And it just did not work. Um, the crowd was kind of into it. Um, but, man, I did not have fun watching it um when the action finally did go uh it was a fairly enjoyable opening opening match with the action but um you know you saw michaels and jenna swapping back and forth behind the referee's back but there's not a great deal that happened um you know some gaga from jimmy hart and that's how you get the nasty boys actually going over uh yeah it didn't do too much for me and i love all four of these i love the nasty boys and Shawn michaels um but you know one of those things, man, did not enjoy this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes to mention you mentioned the, way the, too long, way too long. The stalling uh, at the beginning of the of the match, the uh, I called it the crowd popping where they would go to one side of the arena to get the reaction and the, then the baby faces would do it. And uh, I, I thought it was a kind of a nice old school start to the match. Um, I, I noticed early in the match when the action finally did get going, uh Shawn Michaels hit super kicks to both sags and knobs that, uh, you know, sweet chin music would become his, uh, you know, signature finishing move. And it didn't finish either one of the nasty boys at this point. Um, it did not. I know you said you love the nasty boys. God, do I hate Brian knobs? I think he's a waste of space. I think he is a, a Hogan leech everywhere. Hogan went, he leached, he latched on, uh, to, to, to get along. I think he's a terrible wrestler. 
Um, I think he might be good at, at drawing a negative reaction from the crowd. Uh, but I just, I cannot stand Brian Nobbs. And this match is, is another example of that, of, of why to me. Um, matter of fact, speaking of an overly telegraphed, uh, Shawn Michaels getting getting sent over the top thanks to Nobbs pulling the rope down. But it was so over, overly, tele, overly telegraphed, easy for me to say, that the rope was down a mere, you know, probably a good two to three seconds before Michaels hit it. And, you know, you always talk about bringing logic into an illogical situation. Logically, Shawn Michaels should have seen the rope down and wouldn't hit the rope to go over it. But, you know, here we are. Um, I mentioned uh, there was some decent action when it did get going. There was some good heel work for the Nasty Boys match. Um, looked like they sort of botched the finish here. Um, but you mentioned it. The Nasty Boys went over. Sort of crazy to think about it, considering that Shawn Michaels would be a multi-time WWE champion, a Hall of Famer, etc. cetera. Uh, I gave this match two stars, but very nostalgic way to start off the Battle Royale at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, next up, we get a promo from Ric Flair, who has got the big gold belt with him. Uh, back yeah, then, this you gotta had, like seeing it. Back then, this was historic. This was pre, uh, of course, all of a sudden, um, Medusa throwing the WWE Women's Championship in the trash on Nitro. Um, this was, was sort of morphing from the the territorial days to the essentially the, the WCW and WWE war. Uh, but it was, it was really cool to see him with the big gold belt on a WWE pay-per-view um, and especially can, calling himself the real world champion. Loved it. Uh, which brings me to the next match. Obviously a lot of this you're going to see on the show. We got the promo from Ric Flair uh, headed straight into the Ric Flair match on the card. Somehow, Ric Flair was was positioned second on the card as he would take on fellow legend Tito Santana. And since I let you start us off with the tag team match, I'll get us I'll get us started off with here. Um, I also didn't mention it in the opener. I love Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. Such a throwback. Yes, I agree. It felt so good to hear them going back and forth. Um, the match the match was pretty good. There was a sloppy dro- drop to a hold by Santana early. Um, but you and I talked off air before the show. It was essentially a, uh, a, a flare, a flare clinic here, getting all of flares greatest hits in this match. He, he shoved the referee after getting caught trying the leverage pin. Um, Ric Flair, I believe has the original apron spot, that little the spot where you take a bump on the, you know, right outside the ropes where he does the little, Somersault flip over the top, and yeah. as he runs to the other, uh, you know, to the other turnbuckle, he gets clothesline and hits the apron. Um, super heel flair throughout this match. I felt like, for some reason, it sort of reminded me of what I would have seen out of Eddie Guerrero in WWE, which tells me that Eddie got a lot of his um, cheating gimmick from his lying, cheating, and, and stealing from Flair here. Um, again, Flair was just so good. The the figure four using the rope as leverage. Um, I'll mention it here in the next match. The ropes were super loose all night. Um, it, it, it made me a little nervous. I don't know why. I guess I'm just used to the tighter wound ropes that we see today. Uh, but these ropes are super loose. So when he pulls down that top rope, it basically crosses over the middle rope with how loose it is. Um, oh, man, the finish of this match. Flair grabs the tights of Tito Santana to get the win. I thought it was hilarious. 
because we almost got a camera full of ball sack on this show. Oh as, my God. As Listen his, to you. As his trunks went straight all, all the way down, almost, almost past his hamstrings. It was hilarious to me. Flair picks up the win as he should have. Three stars is what I gave this match. PJ, did I miss anything? Is there anything you want to add about this Ric Flair versus, versus Tito Santana? So a few things that I'll touch on is uh, you went, we went 16 minutes and 14 seconds here. Um, you know, they got plenty of time, man, but it didn't need that much time. It was a flair clinic. As you said, you know, Tito Santana, I give props to him. He sold flair like a fucking champ. Uh, one thing I do want to mention it in his promo that they're doing here, they're really pushing uh, for the rivalry between him and Roddy Piper that's happening right now. However, Roddy Piper does not have a match on this card um, besides what I believe will be the the Battle Royal. Royal. However, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was strange. I will also say that I think that the the, uh, ropes were loose because of the Battle Royal at the end. It could it's have easier been, to it's easier to throw somebody over a loose rope. At the same time, you feel like you know they adjust, and I'm not sure if they were doing it back then, but they'll adjust the the ring apron and turnbuckle. I mean, they they can do adjustments middle of the show, and yeah, but I think they were in such a rush to get the fuck out of London that they were like, <laughs> just go. Hey, it wasn't 2003 or yeah. 2002. I, I am disappointed that Santana was bumping all around this ring and then lost to a cheap roll-up. That yeah. was lame for me. Obviously, you know, we're lighting and cheating. We're stealing here as Ric Flair usually does. But, um, you know, I want to mention too, I guess I should have asked you this before we started the show. Um, but we're, we are a podcast that keeps up with all things wrestling um, that does uh, any kind of current event or something in the past. And there's a little show that is coming out Ooh, yeah. uh, called Dark Side of the Ring. Do we touch on the things that, you know, was going on with old Mr. Flair? I mean, like, I think maybe our listeners might want to, I don't know, yeah. maybe hear a little bit about that. You know, I mean, I know it's something, you know, we're getting off topic here. We talk about Rick Flair. We don't spend a whole lot of time on it, but I think it's important to kind of, you know, to kind of touch on that just to say that, like, you know, it, 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 it's horrible when your heroes, because at the end of the day, Ric Flair is a lot of wrestling fans' heroes, yeah. and um, it's horrible to kind of see that light. But it's it's I, funny you mention it because I actually mentioned I, I wrote uh, part of Dark Side of the Ring as as, as sort of a, a joke in, in a later match that you'll you'll still hear. Um, but yeah, Dark Side of the Ring is exactly what it sounds like. I mean, you have. What we see on TV week in and week out. Uh, and then you have the dark side of wrestling. And uh, I guess when by the time this is airing, it's been a little over a week, a week and a half since the dark side of the ring aired about what they called the plane ride from hell in which uh, Michael P.S. Hayes got his ponytail cut off. Uh, Kurt Hennig would lose his job after getting into a wrestling match with Brock Lesnar. Uh, at, I, I believe he said at 30,000 30, feet is the promos that he would cut when he would eventually go to Impact um, after losing the job here. Um, I believe Scott Hall and it, got... And he, he, would, he would die a year later. Yep. And then Scott Hall would get so belligerently blacked out drunk that he would lose his job as well. Um, the show would actually mention that Justin Credible had to lift him up in a wheelchair to get him off the plane because they legitimately thought that he might be dead. 
Um, so they released Scott Hall after this this plane ride from hell. Um, but the big news, I, I, I wouldn't call it the, the big news because all of it, all of it, you know, you know, warrants big news. Uh, but the, the biggest news coming out of it was the accusation uh, that Ric Flair, um, it was it was very well documented that in his drinking days that he liked to get drunk and put on his wrestling robe and nothing else. And in this instance, uh, allegedly, uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly how you want to put it, um, approached the flight attendant on the on the uh, on the plane. Uh, she accused him of uh, essentially assaulting her, um, trying to force her to touch him. Um, he has since he has since that happened denied it. Uh, he had just put out another statement uh, once again denying the allegation. I uh, believe she um, and someone else, uh, one of the other flight attendants on the plane, both took uh, cash settlements from the incident. Uh, I mean, the plane was trashed after this after this event. Um, but you know, I, I think the moral of the story goes beyond Tommy Dreamer trying to rationalize his actions, um, and 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 that's that could be a, a podcast in and of itself. Um, but I think the moral of the story behind it is that we like to let's call it romanticize the people that we see on TV, be it uh, actors in the TV shows that we that we enjoy, be it uh, pro wrestling in, in what we cover or, or be it football on <laughs> what my Thursday shows are about. Um, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that go on behind closed doors that we never see. And I think that the precedent that has been set that we put all these people on this almost godly on this pedestal uh, pedestal. Exactly. That um, I, I think that, that stories like this that continue to come out should start to resonate with fans uh, to maybe try to humanize people a little bit more in a sense that these people aren't necessarily the heroes that you want them to be. I think I listened to the radio this morning. I had a radio show uh, the morning of this recording where, um, you know, when he was playing Charles Barkley, uh, famous, uh, you know, star uh, forward in the NBA, said that he didn't want to be a role model uh, because, you know, these people, um, they, they're human. They, one, make mistakes, and two, some of them can be really scummy people. I mean, um, we could also get into the Chris Benoit story, uh, be it whether you want to hold him accountable for his actions or, or uh, I, I wouldn't say give him give him a, a slide because of how poorly his brain, uh, sh <clears throat> excuse me, shape was. Um, but there are some really, really just bad people on this earth. And so I think when you want to, and PJ, correct me if I'm wrong or, or, or you know, disagree no, with ahead. me. I'm, if I'm, you at, will. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this. This is, I just, I th everything that I would, I would go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I just I'm think that you your time. Yeah. It's, it makes sense. I just think that it's important that you look at it objectively and the heroes that you have in your life should be the people that are in your life, not people that you see in movies, on TV, in the wrestling ring. Um, so I, I, I think, and, and there's so much more to the story. I mean, there was a, the, the 
the show dark side of the ring is an hour long show and there's they have different episodes about different people and different events the the stabbing of bruiser brody the life and death of dino bravo there's plenty of episodes the death of owen hart um so i think ultimately at the end of the day uh i think that it's just important that wrestling fans be it grown men like us uh be it post millennials gen z if you will uh that that may grow up and, and grow up watching wrestling, whatever the case may be, uh, tread lightly and understand at the end of the day, these are, these are all characters on a TV show and the things that they do behind closed doors might not be the most savory. Uh, PJ, you have anything to add? I know we kind of sort of went off a tangent. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to spend too much time on it, but I think it is important to know that like to let our viewers know and, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't even when I, I Saturday and I almost wore my Ric Flair robe because I usually I usually would dress in some sort of, you know, and I just couldn't do it because it was just and I, I, by the way, I'm not a, you know, I didn't wear it because I didn't want people to associate with me, associate that with me or anything like that. Like I have enough sense not to, you know, flash my schlong everywhere, um, but I wore it because I was I, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't fathom, you know, wearing that, knowing that man, like he, he, he kind of allegedly kind of assaulted a woman and a flight attendant and made him, made her touch, touch him inappropriately. And that's, you know, horrible to see. And again, you know, Flair has come out and said that he didn't do it. Um, but you know, you, we, not, we may never know the true aspect of this, but there's too many, there's too many other witnesses who um, can, can sort of attest, corroborate the story, can, yeah. can attest to that, you know, and so I, I hate seeing it. Um, so, I, you know, we can move on. You know, we got we got things to do with this pay-per-view, but I, I think it was important that we touched on that. Um, you know, if you're having a couple of drinks. Or, or you're thinking that you know you're you're flirting with a you're flirting with a girl. You think that you know things are going all right. Never do what those he was horrible accused of things. doing. You know, never just assume that a girl wants to see your dick or wants to see a picture of it or wants you know they, they don't want to see it. They and if they even if you even if they say yeah sure, still just don't send it. And don't flash don't, it. Don't hit sand. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Like, you know, have a have a state of mind and know that it's not all about you. You know, you could be harming uh, someone's uh, brain and you could be harming their well-being without you even knowing it. So think just it, yeah, be careful. You I know, think and, it, and just just don't think so damn selfishly. You know, I think and at this the end of the day, women. this goes for women too. You know, I mean, like you know, not gender side or uh, what's the word i'm looking for i'm not you know calling out one gender you know males and females that you know, females have been accused as well but just don't just 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 have a common have some common sense and if you and if you if they don't want to touch you you do not fucking make them yeah you know yeah and i think ultimately bringing it back to to what we're talking about which is wrestling i think it's important to differentiate the athletes and the performers in the ring and the performers. Yep. Uh, from their, their real life 
struggles and issues and inappropriate actions and whatnot. So while we may, we, and I'm sure he will come up in the future um, and we may, we may talk about how great he was in the ring and as a performer and on the microphone, that doesn't mean that we are um, either oblivious and, or uh, just sort of ignoring um, the, the horrible things that, yeah, we don't said about yeah, Ric Flair. We're not condoning any sort of those actions just because we speak about his his performance in the ring. Uh, you have to, you know, and it's it's not like we're gonna we're gonna essentially silence what he did in the ring because of you know what he did was so important to the business. However, you know, allegedly, whether or not you want to you know be a scumbag, whatever the case is, uh, it doesn't mean that that. You know, we we condone it just because we speak about him on the show. Because I do and believe they, he is going to be in the in the battle royal at the end of the show, and we don't need to to kind of yeah rehash this again. And by the and by the way, this was not you know this this conversation we had just had. You know, Ryan, we didn't plan this. I just kind of threw it out there because I was curious. I was you know, and I I, I was even going to do it when I started the podcast when I started this episode with you. Uh, just reading, just just uh, reading my notes here and looking at, it, I, I just kind of thought you know, I had a thought of like, maybe we could, you know, you might cut this. I don't know, but I'm just saying it's super important. Let's move on. Uh, you know, our next match that we have here moving on and guys, you know, I apologize. For what getting a on seamless this, uh, transition PJ. Well, you know, <laughs> you know there's, there's no transition like a direct one. Damn it. So, Speaking of dicks, uh, we've got the big boss man in earthquake. Yeah. Up and, in his big, <laughs> and he's earthquake with Jimmy Harden, but no, um, you know, uh, our next match here, moving on, uh, you know, folks, you know, apologize going on that tangent. Um, you know, if you had to fast forward through it, apologize. If you're just here, if you just really wanted to hear the God, I just want him to talk about more battle Royale at the Albert Howe. Uh, yeah. We're getting there. So your third match, we have earthquake uh, going. It's big boss, man. 15 really minutes quick. and 47 seconds. Oh, really quick before we get into it. Did we not have this match on a WCW pay-per-view we reviewed we, recently? We did. We did. I thought it was and so I had funny. In my notes, yeah. PJ, please go ahead and start us off with this big boss man earthquake match. I know I cut you off, but I had to. No, I fine. had to say it because it was the first note that I had, and we made fun of the match on the WCW pay per view, and the fact that we're seeing it some seven, eight years prior is just hysterical to me. Yeah, I agree, and it's funny too because I'm noticing too, and I just now looked at this in my notes. Jimmy Hart has appeared four fucking times in this pay per view. Oh my god! Sorry, we're going off on another tangent, but. There has been jokes through the rest. Like if you, if you ever hear like, I don't know, stories about Jimmy Hart, the, the constant is that whatever he can do, he can find his way on TV. And he oh, is yeah. all over this pay-per-view and it's absolutely hysterical. I love it. I, I mean, I, I do love it. Jimmy Hart, man. Uh, you know, uh, we can't, we get a promo from, uh, from all earthquake here, which, uh, earthquake and typhoon are both on this mat on this card, but they're not tag teamed up. And I think that's a really weird mistake. Uh, I think that's really strange. They're always work better as a tag team. And I think the matches wouldn't have suffered as much if they were together. You know, um, as much as we hate on big boss man and earthquake, I think a match between the twin towers and the natural disasters would have been something that people would have at least tuned in for. I agree. But in this match, uh, everything looked good. And then the bell rang yeah. uh, in a 15, in, in a 15 minute match. That was at least 14 and a half minutes too long. Dude, they plotted around that ring and the crowd didn't give a fuck. I mean, that crowd 
was dead. Yep. That was your time to get your fish and chips. Get it, yeah. London. Nice, I, I did. You know, you, you know, and you know, I and caught what you, you know, were throwing, man. I, I didn't play receiver, yeah, okay. but I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, they call um, French fries chips. Oh, you know what man. they call? You know what they call chips in London? Uh, crisps. Yeah, Chris, there you go. You're smart. You know, you, you know what it. they, you know what the French call a, uh, uh, was it a, the, is it a Whopper with cheese? Uh, listen to you. It's a, uh, it's a quarter pound of cheese. It's a Royale. With a Royale cheese. with cheese. A Royale with cheese. Yeah. Oh All my right. God. I just watched that movie. All right. So I mean, not a great match. <laughs> uh, not a, not a great match. Uh, earthquake picks, um, earthquake picks up the win, uh, after some Gaga from the Mountie, uh, which we will see later. Um, I also want to uh, throw in there too um, that I wrote early in my notes, but I totally spaced out um, that the uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is provided guest commentary later on in the match that we get a a small interview with him. And then he's going to be a commentator for the battle Royal. I think that's really fun. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I've got it in my notes because he, he did the announcing for like the main event before the battle Royal. Yeah. uh, You know, about this match, the one thing I did mention, uh, or I say the one thing, I did mention Big Boss Man is con- considerably uh, down in weight since his tenure with the Twin Towers. Uh, and, and early in the match, and even later in the match, uh, Boss Man's hitting Earthquake with some strikes that he just does not sell. Uh, there was a rest hold headlock by Boss Man in this match that did not seem to hurt Earthquake, and Boss Man did not seem to be into into to trying to sell it. Um as soon as I, you know, I did mention that uh, I said, I, I, I know, and I'm, I'm just reading verbatim my notes. God rest his soul. Tenta is revered by his peers. I just don't think he's that good as an in-ring performer. He's a big dude. He's, he's an imposing figure. Um, and as soon as I wrote that down, he caught the big boss man jumping off the top rope. <laughs> I had that in my notes too. That was a really cool spot. And that's a big boy to be doing that. I love it. Jesus. Like again, I mean, one thing you can't take away from a six foot nine, 300 pound dude. He's got some muscle to him. Um, yeah. I mentioned, I already mentioned uh, in the Ric Flair match, the ropes are super loose. It also set up for the earthquake where the, where boss man tied him up in the ropes and was hitting them. And then, uh, like you said, the Mountie came in with the, with the Gaga uh, setting up the weak finish. It was an elbow drop after Boss Man got tripped by the Mountie uh, and the, the elbow drop barely uh, connected to the top of the Boss Man's head for the pin. I gave this a star and a half. Let's not dwell too much on this match, PJ. Do you have anything else to add or should we go ahead and move on? So the next match, uh, ah, was... all right. <laughs> um, no, no, we can, we, we can totally move on. Yeah, no, we get, we get a promo from Kerry Von Erich, the Texas tornado. Uh, and then right Speaking after of dark side of the ring. Yep, exactly. And then, uh, and then we get another promo uh, this time from the Mountie who obviously just interjected himself in the last match. And it leads us into obviously the Texas tornado versus the Mountie match. Uh, I start, or, you know, you started off Bossman Earthquake. I'm going to start us off with this match because I don't have a whole lot of notes. Um, I did say that Kerry Von Eric looked like he could be a stand-in for the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, looks like, I mean, he's jacked. He's got a good body. He looked like a non-roided Ultimate Warrior here. Uh, tassels on the boots and all. Um, there was an awkward-looking clothesline uh, where the Mountie tried to hit uh, Von Eric with a clothesline turned into a sleeper hold. Um, I did miss there was a spot late in the match uh, where Kerry Von Erich set up 
the Mountie uh, to the ring post to, to punch his daylights out, and he moved, and he struck the ring post. It sounded good. They sold it well. Um, but here again, we mentioned all the all the leverage pins that, that Flair tried in his match. Um, this time, the Mountie successfully gets it, uses the rope uh, as leverage to get the win, uh, but then you, it seems like they're confused after the match on commentary that the match is going to continue because I actually wrote it in my notes. Thanks to you. There's some Gaga after the match. Um, and, uh, where, where Von Eric gets a little bit of a sense of revenge, uh, for the loss to the Mountie here. And then the Mountie and Jimmy Hart run to the back two and a half stars. PJ, how'd you feel about Kerry Von Eric versus the Mountie? I actually really enjoyed this match. Uh, cause I love Kerry Von Eric. Uh, he would unfortunately, um, uh, have a terrible motorcycle accident, have his foot amputated and actually get addicted to painkillers and commit suicide uh, a couple years later after this event. Uh, terrible, be- terrible, terrible loss to pro wrestling. The Von Erich family had a lot of, lot of hardship, but Kerry Von Erich, man, he was, he had it. Yep. And, and, you know, and much like, and much like the situation of Magnum TA, another wrestler that had it just cut down in his prime, man, by an at by a by a by an accident too. And I think Magnum TA's might have been a motorcycle accident as well. He was in a car um, accident. That was it a car? Career. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it's just terrible, man. I really did enjoy this match. Um, the Mountie, you know, for <laughs> the Mountie man. I mean, like, yeah, he wasn't the best, but. Um, his athletic ability was great. He was, he was, uh, I can never pronounce his name. Jack's Jack's Jacques the Rougeau. Jacques Rougeau. Jesus. I, I, I would have ne- never known that. Cause I mean, I love the, um, the, hey, I bet you he loves a good Royale with cheese. Oh, brother. Being from, the, being from French Canada. You know what I'm he saying? From French Canada. Um, <laughs> but they, I mean, they, and they're, they're, him and his brother had a great tag team, uh, tag team feud again with the Hart Foundation. Uh, of course, with the Dream Team, Greg Valentine and Bruce Beefcake. Uh, you know, they feuded with the Killer Bees, uh, the Bushwhackers, even the Rockers, too. Um, God, man, they're just really great tag teams. But anyway, this match was really good, actually, and I actually liked it just a little bit better than the Flair and the Tito Santana match, only because it was it was it was pretty uh, back and forth. So I enjoyed this match; I really did. Yeah, told a good story here, and I'll tell you what tells a good story is our next bat- next match on the card. Before we get to it, we get a promo of an old school Undertaker and Paul Bear. I tell I you love what, seeing this. I tell you what, this is probably so far my favorite mo- my favorite moment on the show. Uh, you could tell the Undertaker was still learning his character on how he wanted to present the Undertaker. And then when he comes out to the ring, they've got this like Phantom of the Opera organist playing him in. It was now the lights didn't go down, which I, I'm not, you know, I wasn't expecting back then. But man, it was just such a cool, like obviously a 1991 visual of the Undertaker. And it was so good. Uh, the Undertaker is going to have a match here uh, with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, another name that would, I believe, uh, the following year uh, take this battle royale a little further and create the Royal Rumble match. Uh, PJ, take us to your thoughts 
The Undertaker taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So, you know what I'm looking at here is, one, uh, I was reading, <laughs> love the fan of the opera entrance, super corny, I love it. Can we talk about how over fucking Jim Duggan was to have a crowd of London, England chanting USA? Dude. I, I sorry, wrote that. I wrote but... that in my notes too, and they even they said it on commentary. Gorilla Monsoon called it out. It is considering like the history of the U.S. breaking away from England and you know uh, colonizing America. The fact that Hacksaw Jim Duggan could come into London, waving the American flag, and get the British crowd chanting USA was absolutely mind-boggling to me and Agreed. good for him to be able to pull that off <laughs> oh you know this match is okay uh we get um jim duggan uh well we get the undertaker winning by disqualification after jim duggan hits him with the two by four yeah. not a very long match get a six minute match easy enough they i think they just want an undertaker on screen here uh i will i will say you know um we've gotten a five and oh with the heels, all the heels winning here. You know that, right? I did not pay attention to that, but you are absolutely right. Um, I noticed that. I noticed that because none of the, um, I was noticing that none of the uh, post matches was anyone really celebrating, you know. And I was like, we're not getting, fair. we're not getting a babyface win here. Um, and then we'll we'll move on to others. But yeah, I was like, huh, that's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about here. The entrance was really one of the coolest parts of this. Uh, the coolest part of the match and one of the coolest parts of the pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I, I did write a couple of notes here. Early in the match, Hacksaw close take uh, clothesline Taker over the top, and Taker would land on his feet, showing his agility back in the 90s. Um, I did say, again, pretty good story being told here. Duggan looking for offense against the dead man. Taker turns it back around. We got to see some old-school Taker here uh, with the agility being shown with his jumping clothesline, his, his top rope walk uh, that – Again, with such a, a loose rope, his top rope walk was a middle rope walk when he was done with it. Um, didn't like the two-by-four DQ finish with The Undertaker going over here, but the match itself was two and a half stars. Um, uh, next up before the next match, uh, we get a Roddy Piper promo, and you mentioned that he'd be on the card, but he wouldn't have a match until presumably the Battle Royal. Uh, but, man, it's, it has, it's, it's been said so much. But I love Roddy Piper on the mic, dude. He's just so good. It, it comes off so seamless, like he doesn't even have to try. Just so good here. Um, you also get a couple of promos uh, leading up to the next match um, where you would see the WWF Tag Team Championship get put on the line as the Legion of Doom uh, would defend against Power and Glory, the team of Paul Roma, and Hercules, uh, you started us off quickly with the the Undertaker Hacksaw match. I'm going to start off and just read through my notes here. Uh, both promos for the, before the match were pretty decent. Um, I did also want to mention that these these titles were the best tag team title belts in wrestling history. I don't care. You can go back to New Japan. You can go to WCW. You can go to ECW. These are the best tag team title belts. In wrestling history, I will die on this hill. Um, that is a hill to die on, too, because they are. They're most definitely better than those stupid quarter like nickel belts that they have on Raw and SmackDown right now. Would you agree? 
I do. I hate those. I that I really do. Yeah. Um, so I wrote down here, Paul Roma looked pretty big, especially in the, in the interview beforehand when he got in the ring with Hawk and they, and he challenged him to the test of strength. Uh, I mean, he looked, he looked like Eddie Guerrero taking on Hulk Hogan. He just, you know, he was cut, but, but Hawk made him look like a, like a kid. Um, I did write down, I want to know how this dude got to take on a Hercules gimmick looking like a roided up Jake, the snake Roberts, like, I don't mean to like diminish this guy. He was probably good, but I will never understand how he got to take on to be Hercules. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, for the, I mean, gimmicks uh, to the same people who said, oh, wow, how did he get to become uh, the fucking uh, garbage Undertale. man? Yeah. The repo man or whatever. It, it, by the way, I'm looking at these 91 tag belts because I forgot what they look like, even though just watching this, those are the best ones, most definitely. Yep. I agree. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I know gimmicks. I mean, gimmicks come and go. I think that, uh, uh, it was probably I a conversation, honestly, that Vince looked at him and, and was just like, God damn, pal. I mean, he looks like a great God. He looks like a oh, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce, who's your favorite great God? Uh, well, <laughs> boss, huh? I like, um, I like Hercules. God damn it. He is a Hercules. Look at him. That's I feel how like the conversation went. I feel like they could have held off and made Dino Bravo Hercules, but I digress. Um, I did write, I did write down that it wasn't a terrible match here, but not a great one either. Um, Animal got the hot tag whiffed on a shoulder block. And as he was falling down from the shoulder block, he almost broke his wrist on the follow through. Yeah. That um, looked rough. I thought Roma, Roma would, would come off the top rope for the finish. Um, as Animal would catch him trying the cross body and turn it into a power slam. I thought Roman was going to break his neck because I did not see that move turning over. Well, three stars. Like I said, it wasn't, wasn't great. Wasn't, wasn't the, the worst match I've ever seen. Uh, wasn't the best tag team match I've ever seen. Uh, considering that these were just a bunch of muscle heads uh, in this match, PJ, what'd you think about the WWF tag team match where we see, as you mentioned, our first baby faces go over on the card. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. Honestly, uh, by the way, I, I just remembered why, um, <laughs> I remember why Hercules was called Hercules for a little while. So his, his real name was like Ray or Raymond, Raymond Fernandez. And his first ring name was Hercules Hernandez. Uh, and they just kind of kept the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just kind of kept the name with um, uh, uh, Hernandez. But I, and I remember that because in January of like 83, you know, this guy's been wrestling since 79. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, he's older. Yeah. yeah. And in 83, uh, he was in, um, uh, new J or not new Japan. He was in, um, uh, geez, come on all Japan. I was going to um, say all Japan. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's where that was. And of course in 1990 and to 91, he was in power and glory, but no, I mean, like I did enjoy this match. It was cool. And I just love seeing LOD, man. I never get tired of seeing those dudes work. Uh, I think it's, you know, me being a face paint fan, heavy metal kind of dude. I love seeing it, but you were all right. There was just a bunch. Of, I think you used muscle head, you know, a bunch of beefcakes in there. No pun intended. Um, and they're just, you know, making it happen. I, I did enjoy the match. It wasn't too bad. Uh, I also never, ever get tired of um, seeing the uh, the demolition. Or what is it called? The demolition device? Is that what it's called? Uh, the, oh, yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm going to draw a blank now. The, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out before before the end of the show. Um, but, yeah, no, their, their finisher, we didn't get to see it here, but that is, it is, 
It's also there was a, a wrestler. That, 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 that was that was my point. We didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah, the uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the um, I was listening to an Art Anderson podcast, and uh, they were asking him what finish would you would you refuse to take, and he said the only way he would take the uh, and I'm, it's going to drive me nuts now. Uh, the fin the the LOD finisher was if he did it flak bat flak bat. Let me try to say this again, flak. I, I, I slowed it down. I couldn't even say it flat backed uh, because, <laughs> because you, I mean, anything terrible can happen flipping off their shoulders. The yeah. doomsday device. Oh, doomsday device. That's what it is. Yep. Doomsday yeah. Device. I knew I would think of it, but nevertheless, yeah, we wouldn't see that here. Um, also, uh, before we get into the final match where, where we're, we're going to see another one, rest in peace, to, rest in peace to both members of Legion of doom. If you go through this car from start to God. finish, uh, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wrestlers or seven performers on this card uh, who have already appeared that are no longer with us. Uh, this was uh, 30 years ago. I know you said you weren't going to date us at the top of the show, uh, but this pay-per-view was 30 years ago, and seven of the people on this card are no longer with us. Just a shame and make that eight with the with the main event leading into the the, the battle royal uh we get to see a promo from a hometown hero uh with the british bulldog cutting a promo that he's going to come in uh and and make his country proud and we get to see i would call it the pseudo main event the pin ultimate match where we see the barbarian taking on a hometown davy boy smith the british bulldog pj uh, tell us your thoughts on this match because, I mean, we talked about the crowd being dead for the Earthquake boss man, boss man match. They woke up for their hometown British Bulldog. They were hot for this match. This was, this was you know, really, really uh, – they were into it. Uh, I did not wake up for this match. Yeah, no. I said that, yeah, I gave this match two and a half stars. The match itself wasn't great, but – the energy from this 5,000 people crowd with the British Bulldog returning home to have this match. It's not Wembley Stadium by any means no. for the Intercontinental Championship, but it's still nice that a card filled with Americans and in some case Canadians, now you get to see a hometown British boy. And uh, <laughs> Lord, you mentioned Lord Alfred Hayes. He gets to do the announcing of the, the, the participants in this match. Uh, to again, hometown, another hometown boy and Lord, Lord Alfred Hayes. Uh, and like I said, a pop for Davy boy, this is what they came for. Um, I don't think I've seen this. I, I mentioned it all the time that I love seeing ring gear. I don't remember seeing this bulldog gear before, but I'm here for it. Um, yeah, loving, I like that too. Loving the barbarian actually has a gimmick to being a barbarian coming to the ring and being in his ring gear. Um, here's, here's my, my spot. There was a, a spot match where Barbarian had the Bulldog in a sleeper hold, and they get to drop their arms. And by the time he gets to three, the, the arm shoots up, and he's gonna he's gonna Superman out of it. Has anyone ever had their arm dropped for the full three count during a sleeper hold? And oh if, my god! You know, I think maybe it's happened, but it's it's got to be super rare. I honestly think that Dark Side of the Ring needs to investigate this. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do it right after the uh, the the steroid trials. 
Yeah. So uh, you know, you, I, I, something I want to touch on here uh, that I don't think a lot of people would notice. The British Bulldog was always um, um, what's the word build from Manchester, England. Yep. Okay. He was he was never born in Manchester, England. He was born in Goldborn, Lan- Lanchester. Lan- no, Lancashire, Lancashire. I can't Lance, I can't pronounce Lanchester, it. whatever. They, yeah. they, something like that. Where he was actually billed from that uh, that particular spot in this event, which yep. I thought was awesome because usually it's Manchester, England, and WWF and E is are very guilty of this. They'll just put you. You know, if you're born, say in you know you're you were born in Greenville, they're gonna tell they're gonna say from Charleston, South Carolina, because they want to <laughs> they want to give that they want you know, that no, market. He, he's for, yeah, he's from the big city. He's from the big city in that in that town. Um, you know, no one is from Reno, Nevada. They're from Las Vegas. Yeah. So I thought that was really fun that they actually put it um, from his actual. Uh, um, Home, home place, which is really – yeah, his actual hometown, not um, Manchester, which I thought was really funny. Uh, so oh, I like yeah. that. That was fun. And yep. it was a good match. It was a, it was a decent match. I didn't love it, but I these guys uh, you know, had decent chemistry. It just, just wasn't the best for me. Yeah, I gave it two and a half stars. The crowd, again, what made the match for me was the fact that the crowd was so hot. They even popped for the – they knew what was coming with the, with the holding uh, vertical suplex. Uh, you knew what was coming when he put him up for the running power slam to finish the match. Uh, perfect finish, meh match, or as as MJF would call it, a mid match. Uh, two and <laughs> a half stars. So uh, so that's been that's been the show up to the battle royal. A lot of fun nostalgia <laughs> here from 1991 WWF. PJ, do you have anything to add? before we take our short break and get into the watch along of the battle Royal from this show. I am ready for the watch along. I want to touch on who is all in this match. And I want to also talk about uh, what they win per se, if they win this match, uh, we're going to get Alfred Hayes, uh, who is going to join Monsoon and Heenan on commentary. Uh, again, it's a 20 man battle Royal. It's for the Royal. They'll probably say it. Hopefully they'll say it on the thing and I won't, Butcher it again. Sit Sam over. Sit Sam Samovar trophy. Uh, uh, who is in PJ. this match? I know. I'm. It's you're, tired. You're having, tired you're, having bro. A, you're having a terrible show today. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, no. It, it's Jack Rouge is the Mountie's uh, name. Jack, Jack Jack Rouge. Jack Rouge. That's that's what, what was I'm it. Just, what Jacques, was it again? Jacques Rougeau. Jacques Rougeau. That's right. I got you. Jacques Rougeau. <laughs> Listen, man, I know one I, language, and it's America. It's all I, right? speak, I speak American, son. I speak America. You don't, you don't oh, speak so that French pussy stuff. You can get out of my room. Um, I said, don't disturb me when I'm cleaning my room. Yeah. All right, so um, <laughs> this is a 20-man battle royal. We had the likes of Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, British Bulldog, the Nasty Boys. Um, that's, of course, Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags. Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Natural Disasters, that's uh, going to be our boy, uh, Earthquake, Earthquake. Our boy, Typhoon, Mr. Fred. I.E. Tugboat. Tug, I.E. Um, the Shockmaster. Um, oh, yeah, the Shockmaster. P- power, power and Glory, uh, which, of course, is Hercules and uh, Paul. Uh, Barbarian, Texas Tornado. Uh, the Undertaker, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, The Rockers, Sean and Marty, The Mountie, Taylor Santana, and we have Big Boss Man. Um, love it. Uh, great, 
great talent there. Everyone's pretty much doing double duty except for Typhoon and Roddy Piper. Yeah. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah, pretty much everybody. Uh, I got to say, too, I love <laughs> I love Typhoon. I love everything he's ever done. I really do. Um, I think he's such a he's such a nice guy. I talk to him on Facebook every now and again like a dork. But I uh, loved him as Tugboat, loved him. And the funniest thing, there's a funny story. Do you know how do you know the story of how Shockmaster fell? Do you know that story? Yeah, they so they went to push through that they, they they had this wall set to 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 go. And for, for whatever reason, somebody just I guess nailed a two by four to the bottom to keep the stage up. And nobody told him. And so he, when he went to blast through this, essentially this drywall, uh, he did not know <laughs> two by yes. four was at the and floor. Dusty Rhodes <laughs> talks really great about it because they had practiced that thing all day. And he's like, you know, it was perfect. And then sometime in the day, Crockett had them nail a two before, not a two by four. It's a two before. Two before. A two, a two before to the, um, see, I can speak American and Dusty. Uh, two yep. before to the bottom there. And, so it's funny when he falls out, Cody is watching this live and, you know, little Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes looks at everybody in the room. And I think Dusty's there, but he looks and he says, well, I think that, I think that was old. I think that was uncle Fred or old Fred. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that is just so funny to me because you can clearly see his face and they say, I think that was uh, that thing that was old. Was it big Fred or old Fred? I can't remember what they used to call him, but he said, uh, you know, what the kids would call him, you know, but it's, I think that was old Fred. And like, <laughs> there it is. But anyway, I, well, that's like, what I think of when I think of old, old Fred Ottoman, old Mr. Tugboat. Glitter stormtrooper motherfucker. Anyway, uh, so, so yeah, that's been the battle Royal at the Albert hall coming up next. PJ Steven will rejoin us as we live watch the battle, the actual battle Royal at the Royal Albert hall. Stay tuned. We will be right back. start this over again <laughs> alright everybody welcome back to the main event of the evening which is also the main event of the battle royal at the Royal Albert Hall in, in England from 1991 as always it's your guy Bully Rye back again a uh, quick reminder where you can find me on social media. Once again, on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs, Facebook at Tapouts and Touchdowns, and the email to the show, Tapouts and Touchdowns at gmail.com. Joined again by show correspondent PJ Steven to watch uh, the main event of this show and to give everyone a, a heads up in case you want to watch along with us. We are at the 213. 10 mark of this show on the Peacock WWE Network. PJ, you ready to start this Battle Royal live? I am. I've got uh, my blade in here. I've got a beer. I'm good. Let's make it. Let's knock it out. Double fisting for the first ever watch along on tap outs and touchdowns. And in Oh, this is the very first watch along. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Sure is. Yep. Hell yeah. So let's start it in three, two, one, play. 
All right. Hopefully, we'll be as close to being in sync as possible. And we should be all right. Yep. And we get the banner. And we obviously get the introduction for Alfred Hayes to be on commentary. Now we're I'm, I'm, hopefully you're not going to hear a whole lot of background in in the background, I should say. Um, but I do want to hear if the commentary has anything to say. Uh, but again, we're getting a live look at the crowd here, which uh, for being a 5,000 seat venue, it's packed to the rafters here, PJ. I love this arena. I love looking at it. It's a very nice visual, and there is this cup. And now they're going over the rules, the over-the-top rope, feet hitting the ground, as in any Battle Royal slash Royal Rumble. I love the colors right there in the background, like the little yeah. purple. The that's cool. The Royal Sandabar, is that right? Sand yeah, I guess so. I would have never gotten that. So whatever. Yeah. The Royal Sandabar is this little trophy-looking thing that they've got uh, for the winner of this battle royal. Um, I, I don't remember them calling any sort of um, stipulations where they would get a title match or anything from it. But the first, the first participant here. Kerry Von Erich and he yeah a little, there we go a little playful playful punch to the crowd and I think he just kissed a little girl oh, he just kissed that girl yeah <laughs> and that, uh, made, that made her life she Look at those boots man yeah but here's the thing like he's a grown man and she looked like she was probably 16 that's super uh these days that's super crazy we just talked about it on the show as we see we did oh, typhoon big Fred Yep, Typhoon come to the ring, but we did mention, oh, both of the natural disasters are coming down. Um, we did mention the whole sexual assault uh, situation, and That's um, true. granted, the, the little 16-year-old girl was probably very happy, and it's still, uh, even, if, even if it was uh, consensual, uh, she was a teenager. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to look still, at it. Yeah, it's, it's still a little strange. It's not funny, but, you know, some people... Uh, you know, will use uh, humor to go through uncomfortable situations as now we see Tito Santana coming to the ring in his white trunks with uh, lightning bolts on them. Not sure. Wait, where... he's, still, he's still got the red uh, chest box from the flare match too. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, I, remember, I ran into a, look at this kid. Like <laughs> he's, oh God, there he is. Oh, the yeah, I you got it, got it right. I, got it right. Hey. Yeah. I drink more alcohol, and that's what helped me helps me out. No, oh, I ran it. into Tito Santana at WrestleCon uh, in 2019 or 2018, 19, whenever we went to WrestleMania, and um, I just we my wife and I were in line somewhere, and I turned around, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's Tito Santana!" And like, I thought that was fun. You know, I kind of want to get a little more involved because I mean, he's a big name, and I believe he's a Hall of Famer, but. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't remember a lot of his work, and it's probably because I, when I was a kid, is that we see the the rockers come out. Shawn Michaels. Look at Michaels. Yeah. Now he's wetted his his former dried, blown out mullet. It's now soaking wet. Um, but Tito Santana, man, maybe it's because I watched WCW more as a kid, but I don't remember much about Tito Santana as now a newly oiled up barbarian enters the arena. I loved when him and Ming would work, man. Like, and uh, 
late nineties WCW, they were a hell of a tag team. I don't understand how they never won. The, did they ever win the tag team championships in WCW? You know, I think they, I'm pretty sure they did. And if they didn't, that's a crime. But I, it's I think absolutely they did. a crime. Like especially with the reputation, specifically Haku or Ming has that. Like, there's one guy that you don't want to get a shoot fight with. It's him. Like yeah. you think that they would have a long term run with those tag team championships in WCW? As now we see a slim down big boss man come in to, to a, a all nice the way pop from, from the Cobb crowd. County, Georgia. Uh, but yeah, I love this theme. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that if you go back in history, you wonder why the hell. And here comes here comes roided out Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, good old I've already forgot the name of their tag team. Power and glory. Power and glory with uh, Paul Roma, probably the most unfitting four horsemen ever in history, next to maybe Sting or Lex Luger. So, um, did you remember that Paul Roma was a member of the four horsemen? Who? Paul Roma was a member. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I do remember, but yeah, it, it was weird. And now we see Hacks. crowd is hot for Hacksaw, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. They were hot for Big Boss, man. They were hot for the All-Americans in this in the, on this car between yeah, Hacksaw yeah. and Boss Man and the Legion of Doom. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned know. you mentioned uh, in our uh, the beginning of this when we were talking about the actual matches that uh, Hacksaw did win the first ever Royal Rumble in uh, 1988. That's crazy to think about, man. If I'm really not mistaken, not only did he win it, I believe the Royal Rumble was his idea. Not was he only the, the first winner. I could be wrong, and somebody can fact check me and tell me on Twitter that I'm a moron. But I was pretty sure that he he invented the idea of the Royal Rumble. So um, I always heard his I always heard his Pat Patterson. Maybe it was Pat Patterson, and he was just the first winner. Which, uh, you know, here's Jimmy Hart finding some screen screen time again, walking yeah, out with, it. with the nasty boys. Uh, but yeah, nevertheless, uh, it's hard to it's it's. Hard to believe that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the first winner of the Royal Rumble, and uh, I don't believe he ever got a WWF title shot. Or, I mean, was he ever even Intercontinental Champion? Like, I know he had a TV title run in WCW, and he was U.S. Champion when he went heel and decided to, um, as we get an overhead shot between the three commentators, Bobby Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, and, and Alfred Roy Hayes. Alfred Hayes. And the Nature Boy coming back down to the ring, the real world champion in his uh, trademark green tights with the same initials as I have. Um, love, but nevertheless, love that, love that hair. Uh, God, yeah. I, and he was mad that because he had just recently cut his hair. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe Dave Dave Crockett made him cut it, whatever the case was. But uh, I've already forgot what we were talking about before before Ric Flair and the overhead shot came in. Uh, but nevertheless. Uh, some exciting, I, I say some exciting stuff. Uh, we were talking about the Royal Rumble, and um, I know he, that's what I was going to say. J Hacksaw Jim Duggan was, uh, when here he comes, the Legion of Doom got a big old pop. Uh, yeah, before I forget about it again, uh, when Hacksaw Jim Duggan denounced the United States to become a heel, he created the Canadian Championship where they just crudely pasted a picture of the Canadian flag over the U.S. flag on the U.S. title, which was... Yeah. It was it was kind of fun, kind of a little funny spot, but it never it also never made sense to turn Hacksaw Jim Duggan heel when he had been no, a baby face, no you know, outside of his stint with the Million Dollar Corporation or with Ted DiBiase. Um, you gotta you gotta love hearing Bulldogs uh, theme music. I love Bulldogs theme music. And the uh, and the great part about it is that he had some different theme music at WCW, and I guess when they created the WWE Network, now uh, found on Peacock in the states, um, they I guess did not 
retrieve that uh, the rights to that theme music. So now they've dubbed over, similar to what they did with Chris Jericho's later theme uh, with The Walls, they've now dubbed over the British Bulldogs theme music in WCW with his trademark WWF theme music. And I love hearing that. that they so did that, that with uh, DDP's theme music, too. They did some other I weird hate, Yeah, I, I hate that, too. Uh, look at look at Mark here. Yeah, good old Mark Calloway and Paul Bear, the animated faces. Oh yes, I, I, I Percy. What's what's his what's his last name? Uh, I mean, he's well known in uh, <coughs> wrestling circles outside of his Paul Bear gimmick. Um, but uh, w- William Moody, Bill Moody. Uh, yeah. Uh, man what a what a character and and the way that he could develop himself over the years as a as a you know a manager is just good stuff and now uh i believe he's from canada but you know the scottish gimmick with the the trademark kilt god he looks good man god he looks good right here in 91 prime i'm here to chew bubble gum and kick some ass and i'm all out of bubble gum roddy piper right here Man, I tell you what, I think Roddy Piper hit his mic skills alone. He might not have been the best in ring performer, uh, but man, he got over with the crowd. He knew how to talk. I love me some Roddy Piper. It's a shame Agreed. that he got a win over Hulk Hogan in WCW, but it wasn't for the championship. And I, I think that was a travesty. The fact that David Arquette is a WCW world champion and Roddy Piper was not. Is uh is oh he is goes right after Flair he goes does right go after Flair right after Ric Flair here and this battle we royal are, was we started are on, on the way we were on the way here and you've got Big Bubba Rogers biting the nose of Brian Knobs here in the bottom right corner you got the Mountie over the left not knowing what to do there he goes now he goes after Hacksaw yeah it's uh yeah the Mounties the Mounties sort of looking lost here now you've got Typhoon going after Hacksaw no eliminations quite yet. What you just saw, what you just saw, the face of the Mountie, that confused the look that yeah. describes his career. Yeah. Well, now you've got Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. I don't, I'm not sure if they're eliminated yet, but they are fighting on the outside of the ring here. And, uh, and you've, you've got to imagine that's fun for the fans at ringside watching Roddy Piper beat the shit out of Ric Flair. Oh, right now he's pulling out the cord. He's pulling out the power cord and they're fighting him on it. He wants to choke out Ric Flair. A no-no on WCW, on WWE's TV now after obviously the, tragedy that happened in, in the Crispin Wah household. Looks like the the Mountie is is going round and round with the big boss man on the outside of the ring as is Jimmy Hart. Uh, you think they would you think they would get along more. They're both men of the law. You know, and and they kept calling him Jailbird. Maybe I need to uh, him being <laughs> the Mountie pronouns fella pro, uh, pronouns fella and uh yeah so I, I think maybe I need to do some research as to what that storyline went. Um, but yeah, I think that would have been a cute little, a cute little tag team gimmick, the Mountie, the Canadian law enforcement and the American law enforcement with, uh, with the boss man. I think that they could be, worked. they could be called a uh, car ramrod car ramrod. Yeah. Totally like, it's, worked. like it's super true. <laughs> or, uh, or minute work, um, or a uh, oh, minute work. Listen to you or just, just law enforcement. You know, they had just money. call them like justice, the justice league. Oh, that would have been great. Oh Listen. my God. Listen to us talk through it. Still no, no, nobody out. Looks like boss man. Boss man's about to maybe go out. Yeah. Mountie's still confused with life. Looked like Shawn Michaels and, 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 
uh, typhoon or or no, that's earthquake. They were going in oh, on, on the oh, boss oh, man. Oh. Boss man might be out of here. Uh, oh. Holding on, holding nope. on to that top row. Oh, and back through, and again, no selling. Ooh, there earthquake, you go. earthquake, no selling those punches again. Oh, it looked like the Mountie got Ronnie Piper. Oh, and there goes Hercules. Bye, Hercules. It looks like Hercules is the first one, and now he's going to throw a non-folding chair into the ring. Uh, man, those little chairs had armrests and everything. They got cheap on us in the 99s and 2000s. And there goes the oh, there Texas goes Tornado. Kerry Von Herrick uh, is out. Lame. Oh. Uh, so who's your pick? Who's your pick here? Who's going over? I uh, man, I I'm glad I didn't Google it because I don't know. I would be willing to bet the British Bulldog. If not the Bulldog, I'd be willing to bet Ric Flair. But you would think that as you see Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, a young Shawn Michaels and a younger Ric Flair going at it here in the corner. Oh uh, um, man, that's 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 going to be pretty yeah, familiar. Foreshadowing WrestleMania a lot of years later. Yeah. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna guess. Yeah, I'm gonna keep your guess with Bulldog, but I'm also gonna say instead of Flair. Maybe Piper. Yeah, Piper, Piper was my next pick. Eliminating Brian Knobs here, maybe. Yeah, uh, Brian Knobs. No, oh, he just awful. pokes him out. That was a great spot. What a great uh, poke. Brian Knobs is so bad. I guess that was the original finger poke of Doom. Was the royal, uh, the royal Albert Hall finger poke from Roddy there Piper to Brian Knobs. But yeah, Ooh, there goes somebody there. I think there goes Marty. Yeah, it was one of the rockers. Yep, that was definitely Marty Janetti. But yeah. Uh, my top three picks to go over would be the Bulldog, followed by Roddy Piper, since Piper wasn't in a match earlier in the show, and then Ric Flair, as, as you know, they want to make him look strong to set up not only the feud with Piper, but they also mentioned Hogan in this show a few times. We would know if you paid attention that WWE or WWF would not pull the trigger uh, on Hogan versus Flair and WrestleMania. Instead, they put Flair in a program with Randy Savage, and as the the Barbarian is eliminated by Tito Santana. Uh, but yeah, WWE they miss they miss so many opportunities again. As much as we hate the Boss Man versus versus Earthquake, Natural Disasters versus the uh, Twin Towers would have been a a nice little spot to see as the Mountie rolls underneath the ropes and the referees, hey, you can't do that, guy. And there goes Tito Santana. Oh uh, yeah, there goes Tito. You're right. Yep. Uh, man, good I'm stuff running here. Running up for Flair again. This is good stuff. You know, genuinely, I know, I know, we're in the moment right now. I'm actually enjoying doing this, doing our own commentary over the action, and then if if somebody's watching along, they can they can catch it and listen to us instead of listening to the to the actual commentary. Even though I I don't think we hold a candle to Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, but nevertheless, Not it's still all. fun for me to do. You know, I still get teary-eyed oh. when I oh yeah, oh Jerry Sags gets Hawk out of the ring. Wow! Oh, that kid got pushed back. <laughs> and then uh, it there looks like Jerry. somebody came in with Jerry Sags. And uh, Hawk Jim, isn't done. J- yep, J- yep. Jim Duggan came in there. Great drop kick there by Hawk. Um, I still get teary-eyed at the end of Bobby Heenan's Hall of Fame speech, where he just says like, uh, "There's just one thing missing. I wish that Monsoon was here." Oh yep. my God! Talk yep. about a water worked and event. It, it hurt even worse knowing like that he had gone through his throat cancer and there goes Shawn michaels but he yep trademark oh. Is, is oh and then he goes out for good this time the mountain gets him but before that you got the as michael cole would say vintage hbk um but yeah i think the uh the the fact that he had gone through his throat cancer so he didn't sound like himself he didn't look like himself it was just yeah 
all in all, it was really disappointing considering that like, I don't think he was a smoker. Um, and, you know, considering, and I believe the Mountie might've just been eliminated by, by the big boss man. Um, but like you see guys that they play really bad guys on TV as boss man, or it looked like earthquake and, and Jim Duggan were hugging it out here for a second. Like, Hey, I'm gassed. Give me a break here. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm blown. I'm blown up. I yep. think they are oh, doing that. Oh, and the overhead press slam from Animal to Ric Flair. Beautiful. Um, but trying to get back as Earthquake eliminates Jim Duggan, and he clapped before he even hit the ground. What an idiot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. What an idiot. <laughs> Listen to you. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, you see b- guys that play bad guys on TV, but they're beloved behind the scenes. Owen Hart is one of those guys that come, come to mind. As Hacksaw comes back in to hit Earthquake with a two-by-four, yeah, Flair um, just dropped out of the ring as well. Here comes the two by four. No DQ, I don't and think, in this. That, I mean, sh- that shouldn't. Oh, my God. Earthquake held on. Oh, that was a ball set moment. Oh, oh, man. And then uh, Animal comes and finishes him off. But it shouldn't count because Animal gets because Hacksaw are is you, the one who eliminated are you him. Saying, are you saying that Mr. Tenta is still in? I believe he should still be in. Yeah. Albert Hall? This is uh, a conspiracy. Yeah. But nevertheless, getting, getting back to Bobby Heenan, he was one of those guys that he played – the best bad guy on commentary, managing, whatever the case is. And the, the, the fact that he just wasn't the same guy when, when he passed is just really, yeah, really, you know, yeah, it's, it's upsetting, you know, but as his life and flair's gone. And there it is. Piper might go over on this bitch. Ronnie Piper's eliminated the nature boy as he spits out his non-existent gum anymore at Ric Flair. But now you got to think maybe Ric Flair comes back at the end and takes him out because uh, you see the Bulldogs still in there fighting it out with the Undertaker. More foreshadowing. It looks like uh, Bossman's got the Mountie. I guess the Mountie wasn't eliminated. Had him up in a, in a two-handed chokehold above, above the ring as Paul Roma breaks it up. Um, we are down to, let's count them, two, four, six. Looks like we're to the Elite Eight of this Battle Royal. Oh, there, well... Piper trying to eliminate Taker here. Yep, that was a nice little fun spot. Yeah, we've got a bunch of tag team wrestlers in here. The Mountie, you know, like you said, he had a tag team with his brother as the Undertaker gets a a dick ride on the top rope, uh, courtesy of Roddy Piper. Um, A lot of tag team, at least former tag team wrestlers and tag team champions in here. We've got, uh, you know, one half of, uh, what is it, the the power, whatever you call it. Oh, there it goes. Power and glory. And there, there goes, goes all. Well, there goes the glory. Yeah, there goes Paul Roma, courtesy of the British Bulldog. British Bulldog, member of. The Ooh, British what Bulldogs. a clothesline by Animal! That was stiff. Animal, oh, not as goes, stiff as that. There goes yeah, Animal. Animal of the Legion of Doom was was eliminated by the Undertaker. Now you've got uh, the Mountie again, as I said, part of the 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 French Canadians. You've got British Bulldog of the, of the British Bulldogs. You've got, you know, formerly Twin Towers, uh, Big Boss Man. Um, and then obviously you've got Typhoon still in the match. So we are down to six as Roddy Piper eliminates the Undertaker. No, we are down Taker. to five and there goes Piper. No way. Yep. And he rips off the apron as he comes down and that is not going back up. Kayfabe is well, dead. So, so it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Bulldogs. It's gotta be Kane. <laughs> no, listen to you. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's gotta be Kane. Yeah. They're, you hugging, gotta, it, they're hugging it out. I predict Typhoon's going to be the last one that Bulldog eliminates. I'm calling it. 
Yeah, I could see that too. Because Taker, there was some Gaga there. He, and now he's following the urn out of the ring, possessed by the power of the urn. And Roddy Piper's pissed off. It's like, hey, I'm in London. I'm supposed to go over here. This is bullshit. I didn't have a match on the card. And now I'm out. It's not even the final four of this battle royal. So now you've got essentially uh, two former tag teams going against each other. Half of the Twin Towers and the British Bulldogs are going to team up against uh, half of the French Canadians and the and the the natural disasters. And Jacques Rougeau, i.e. the Mountie and the Big Boss Man, go to the outside. And uh, why is just... Jimmy Hart still there? If because he's he's the, the manager eliminated. He's the oh, manager. He's the Mountie too. Yeah, yeah. the Mountie and the Earthquake. He's got like like the Heart Foundation. He's got like the Heart Corporation. Like he right. mentioned, he mentioned that one of the promos in the show. What the what was that? A stiff that, a, a stiff palm to the forehead of the Mountie by the big boss man, and now we're gonna get his patented leg drop over the middle rope of the Mountie. Jimmy Hart's lost his glasses somewhere along the lines, running around the ring. And oh, and he oh. Baseball slide. Oh, he just nailed yeah. Jimmy Hart. That it's was Jimmy Hart. And another choreographed, overly choreographed over the top rope as the Mountie brings the rope down. And there goes the big boss, man. We are down to three, two heels and the hometown favorite British Bulldog as he gets a big old typhoon belly to the mouth. I wonder why Bulldog cut his hair that though. He had some really nice. Uh, long braids for the longest time. And, and all of a sudden, probably one day, probably just a need to do something different. You know, he's had that same hair for a, a while. Yeah. One day he shows up and he's no longer in pants. He's in the, you know, the, the speedo gimmick, if you will. And his hair's all gone. And now he's part of the, the Jim Cornette, whatever you call that faction with him and Owen and, and uh, Yoko Zuna was in it for a while. And then Vader would come in and replace Yoko Zuna. Rest in peace to Yoko Zuna as well. Oh, and we see Bulldog get out of the way to take a Ooh. spot from Typhoon. Uh, does the Mountie, and now the Bulldog is making his comeback to the to the delight of the British fans here. And Jimmy Hart, after getting struck by the Boss Man, is back up, and he has found his sunglasses. Don't worry, yeah, I was concerned about that, honestly. Yep. And now the Bulldog is basically curling Earthquake up on the top rope, uh, and it's broken up by the Mountie. It's really good stuff here. Again, if you're looking from a, from a nostalgia standpoint and a battle Royal, Oh, and the Mountie, a stiff slap to the face of, of Typhoon here. Tugboat's about to, about to blow his horn on you. Mountie. Don't be, don't be playing <laughs> no games. That's all Tugboat now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to toot that horn, buddy. Better watch out. As you, you can probably expect, you're going to see the double team on the hometown British Bulldog, the double clothesline on the Bulldog. It does not look well. And these fans are like, hey, this is his home country. Don't you fuck this guy over like WWE will do in 20 years to every single person in their hometown. You <laughs> sons of bitches. That is true. They do. They take pride in that. Yeah. Hey, it's your hometown. Let's make sure you're going to eat a fucking pen. Also, you know. it's your birthday, oh! too. Extra. And there goes the Mountie. Bulldog moves out the way. I'm maybe a few seconds ahead of you. Bulldog moved out the way. And Typhoon took out the Mountie. And we are down to two. As you predicted, the British Bulldog is last matched up with Earthquake. And he says, fuck you, if you can read lips. 
And I know one thing, the Bulldog, no matter how many steroids he is on, he is not going to be able to get Typhoon up in that big old power slam. Not that he would need to to win this over-the-top rope battle royal, but he hits a pretty drop kick. Ooh, and another avalanche stinger splash, so to speak, in the corner. And now they're both stumbling around the ring and a clubbing clothesline by Typhoon. I keep wanting to call him Earthquake, even though he clearly has his name written on his tights so that nobody forgets who he is. And a back body drop in, as I predicted. Oh, and there it is. The British Bulldog has won. Ooh, that crowd popped. The Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. Their crowd is going wild. Commentary is going wild. Alfred Hayes is going wild. But now here comes the post-match beatdown by the natural disasters. Where is the dynamite kid when you need him? Talk about a dark side of the ring story. That's another one for you. Jimmy Hart without his patented megaphone. Who's going to come out here to save the British Bulldog at home? He gets the win. But in pure WWE fashion, or WWF at the time, they're going to make sure that he's going to leave. Oh, my God. Earthquake hits the ropes, and the ropes are so loose that he almost flew out. Like yeah, I saw those, that. Like one of those old toy rings that you'd get with the when the, the elasticity of these ropes would go out and your little action figures would fall out the ring. But, oh, my God. Look who it is. Oh, wow. Ooh. Andre the Giant. Straight off the set of The Princess Bride. He, you can tell he is in pain, too. This poor guy is walking with a cane. This Andre the Giant would not last much longer in his life, unfortunately, but to this point. It's as excited as I am to see Andre the Giant here. It's also discouraging to see the, uh, the, the, French, the French Giant here struggle to make it to the ring to, to save the British Bulldog. And you hear Bobby Heenan going crazy about it. You got to love it. Oh, man. What? You know, the crowd is popping as their hometown as, boy. He wins the trophy. As, as mid as a lot of this card was, this, this show, considering that it was obviously intended to be a tribute to the hometown British Bulldog who now hoists the trophy. And Alfred Hayes goes nuts on the, on the, on commentary. Andre, the giant is not going to try to get him himself in the ring. And I don't blame him at this part at this point in his life. Oh, and that something fell off the trophy already. Oh yeah. They could at least invest in a decent trophy here. This might be, I wonder if this is that, that spot that we've seen before where he wraps himself up with the British flag. No, it's, I guess not. Nevertheless, he's got a British flag on his back now as he now takes the broken trophy out of the ring. He's got the second piece of the trophy <laughs> in his hand. Nothing a little glue can handle. Yeah, a little, little super glue. I don't think they had gorilla glue back in the day, but that'll do it for the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall in England uh pj how'd you feel about the battle royal i know we talked through it to try to make sure we didn't have any any dead air here but how'd you enjoy you know, the, the the battle royal you kind of enjoyed it yeah. i i did i did not hate it i actually really enjoyed it 
a lot of nostalgia there, decent spots. Uh, and I think the right guy won. Yeah, I don't think you can let the only British wrestler in WWF in 1991 not go over the only time they go uh, and have a huge event in England, especially at such a historic venue as the uh, the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, yeah, really fun. Uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the first ever watch along with with PJ Steven and, and Bully Rise commentary on it. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of matches on the card with nostalgia feel. This wasn't a bad battle royal. I mean, we we talked through the action. There was there was some good stuff in there, and and some a good little trip down memory lane for those for those folks who are uh, older than us, and and some some nice little history lesson for the millennials and the younger generation. Uh, PJ, before we wrap up the show here today, uh, what do you have going on coming up uh, with Guardians Warlock here in the coming months? Uh, a shit ton of shows and. Uh, let's see. And just doing some more recording. Pretty much it. We got a lot of shows coming up, so I'm pretty stoked. Shit ton of shows. Uh, quote of the night. Shit ton of shows for Guardians Warlock. Make sure you go and follow them on social media. Uh, PJ Steven, thanks again for being on the wrestling show uh, this week as we reviewed a 1991 classic from the Royal Albert Hall uh, in our first ever show watch along. Coming up later this week, we'll have another fantasy football show, uh, maybe another special guest as we had last week. Uh, and then following uh, following our football show, we'll have another wrestling show coming for you next Monday. Uh, PJ and I will, will speak off air and discuss uh, what, what show we would like to review or what topic that we'll be discussing. And who knows, maybe we'll have another guest on that show for us. Uh, so again, thanks for, thanks for tuning in today to our watch-along slash review of the 1991 Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. For PJ Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye, and we'll see you next time right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns.